Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Last Sunday, we had a tremendous, thank you so much, we had a tremendous Easter service. Man, what a time we had. We had a great service, got to preach the gospel. But now listen to me, okay? Well, I'll tell you what, let's read and you can sit down. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Now notice verses 2 and 3. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in his statutes of his father David, except, I don't read King James, but doing studies and using a strong concordance, every once in a while I have to go back and look at it because the word's been changed. Only that, is what it says, only that except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Do you get the sense that he was doing everything else right ex- except except there was something that wasn't as it should be. Do, y- do y'all see what I see there? I'm preaching this morning exceptions. Exceptions. You can be seated. Now I'm going to just tell you up front This message is going to challenge you. This is one of those challenging messages. It's a Sunday after Easter. Half my church is either in Disney World, Gatlinburg, or on a cruise ship somewhere. They'll be back next Sunday. It's a Sunday after Easter. And I wish that I could just tell you that I had, you know, planned, we're going to, I'm going to preach on, you know, I don't. I just pray and seek the Lord and study, and I let God speak to me. Every preacher does different. Now, I'm probably, I'm really feeling strongly led by the Lord. I'm probably going to do a series on end times coming up real soon. Because I think we need to get back focused on Jesus coming. Because I think we're thinking too much of the world, not enough about heaven. Where? Okay, I need to stop. So this sermon is going to be challenging. You're probably going to get quiet on me. Buckle up. Buckle up. If what I say doesn't apply to you, then praise the Lord, hallelujah. Maybe you can amen me and help me a little bit. If what I say does apply to you, as my father-in-law used to say, if the shoe fits, wear it. And let God do something in your life. So let me start with a story. I actually have a story today, a true story. A man worked at a super, this is true, worked at a super busy coffee shop in Westwood Village in Los Angeles. And every day there was a sizable morning rush, as could be expected, in a coffee shop. On one particular morning, at the height of the rush, a well-dressed woman talking on her cell phone was next in line at, at the barista's cash register, the man's cash register. And... He said, this is his story, she seemed very powerful, very intimidating. It, it came her turn to order, and instead of 
getting off the phone. She kept talking on the phone, but trying to give a very simple order, but it was being difficult. She was having trouble because she was distracted. And the customers behind her were observably and vocally getting upset with her. And so she finally got her order in. It was time to pay, and she pulls out a card, and she hands it to the barista and at the cashier, and he looks at it, and it was a card for a rival coffee chain, Starbucks. And he looked at it, and he handed it back, and he said, this form of payment is not going to work. We cannot accept this. And here's what the woman said to him. Well, can't you just use it anyway? The nerve. And when I read that story, I thought, I know what that woman wanted. She wanted an exception to the rule. She wanted an exception. Our text is the story about exceptions. So let me take you through it. Solomon was the king of Israel. His reign was the height of any Israelite king's reign. He was incredibly wealthy. He was He had wisdom from God. He was powerful. He was connected internationally. He had anything and everything his heart desired. He built a beautiful temple for the Lord that was a marvel of the ancient world. Everything in the temple was overlaid with pure gold. Could you imagine if you walked into this church and all the walls were pure pure gold? We'd have to have security guards because some of you rascals would be over there chipping away at it, wouldn't you? Peeling. He knew the law. He prayed. You read in the Bible where there's prayers of Solomon. He wrote the bulk bulk of the book of Proverbs. He knew the statutes of the Lord, the law of the Lord. Yet, and even the Bible says he loved the Lord and he lived for him overall. But the point of the story that leaped off the pages to me is yet... Solomon chose to disobey the Lord in just one area of his life. He loved the Lord, walked in the statue of his father, David, except he offered the sacrifices on the high hills. He chose to offer sacrifices to God on on a geographical high point. So I don't know, it was probably somewhere there in Jerusalem. Somebody built an altar on the hill, and Solomon would leave his house and go out on that high hill and offer his gifts to God at that location. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. There's a problem. God had forbidden Israel from doing this. So I'm going to do some teaching and some preaching. So here's a little bit of a lengthy scripture. Leviticus 17, 2 through 5 gives us the answer. Speak to Aaron, to his sons, and to all the children of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Whatever man of the house of Israel who kills an ox or lamb or goat in the camp or who kills it outside the camp, and you got to remember, this was when they were traveling through the wilderness, and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, the guilt of bloodshed shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people to the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting to the priests and offers them as peace offerings 
to the Lord. Now, at this point, Israel is occupying the promised land. And the tent of meeting that has traveled with them, Joshua brought it with them, is at the city of Gibeon. Gibeon. The priests are there. The tent is there. The altar is there. Now, David moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and set up a tent for it. So you had a high priest at the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem because David wanted the presence of God there. That symbolized the presence of God. But the, but the altar where you offered your sacrifices, why they divvied this up, I don't know, was still at Gibeon. And so God said, take your sacrifices and go to the altar at the tent of meeting in Gibeon, and that's where you're supposed to offer your sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon chose not to do that, built his own altar, and did his own thing. Here's the problem. The negative consequence is that the people of Israel started to do, do the same thing. They followed his lead. They basically said, okay, if the king doesn't have to travel to Gibeon, well, then I don't have to travel to Gibeon. If, if the king can offer his sacrifice on a high hill, well, then... It must be okay for me to do it. And that's why you have to have strong spiritual leadership, and that's why all the leaders, whether you're a mom and dad in your house or at work or in the church, you have to be a person of integrity and consistency because if not, you will lead people in the wrong direction. Now, why would Solomon and the people of God do this? There could probably be a lot of reasons, but I tried to pull from the text. Why would they do this? Why? And so I'm going to preach now. And this is where it might get quiet. I think number one, seems obvious to me, they didn't want to do the hard thing. To go to Gibeon meant you had to stop working. You had to load up the family and you had to travel. Some people had to travel further than others. And you had to go to this place, this tent of meeting, and stay there and do all this. Then you had to load everybody up and travel back to get home. God's rule was an inconvenience. So it's easier to go to a nearby hill, close to your home, and offer your sacrifice to God. It was easier to eliminate the tent of meeting and going to the tent of meeting and, 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 and not being around the priest and not doing things God's way. It was easier to just do it yourself. And I'm going to propose this morning that many saints of God are succumbing to similar temptations today. I'm a pastor. I pastor a lot of people, so I interact with a lot of people. I've pastored in this town now 24 years. January will be 25 years. I've been in this city and in this county for a long, long time. And I'm telling you, I've seen people make spiritual decisions based on what is easy and what is convenient. And they find ways to circumvent the hard things that God commands them to do. And I'm going to give you two examples, though I could give more. And the first one, I've already harped on it. I'm going to harp on it again. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. It is in the Word of God that we are to come together in a geographical location. 
And we are to come as the body of Christ, living stones that together form a holy habitation where the Spirit of God then can come down in our midst. See, I don't want to go to the church building. Yeah, but the problem is you're a brick in the spiritual building. If you're not here, then we're missing a brick. People have reached a point, and I told you a few weeks ago in a message, that 25% of Christians post-COVID have not returned to church. People have reached a point where it's easier to stay home and watch the church service online rather than get up, get dressed, get the kids dressed, and make the drive to church. I'm just going to tell you today, there are certain things you're not going to get watching it at home. My wife gets sometimes gets to hear my sermons early. I guess I try them out on Leah. She said, why do we do online then? I said, for people on vacation, people who have to travel, shut-ins who can't come to church, they're not physically able, people like me who had surgery and I'm at home recovering and I can't come to church for three weeks, but I can still participate and hear the word of God and worship. I said, those are the reasons we do it. But it's not a substitute for being here if you can be here. There is an edification that happens when you're here. There is fellowship that can only happen when you're here. I can't shake your hand if you're in your living room. I can't ask you how you're doing. There is accountability that happens when you're here. And a lot of people don't want to be held accountable anymore. But in the body, we keep ourselves... Do you keep your family members accountable? Do you? Sure you do. I kept my boys accountable. That's why we, they got whoopings and rewards when they did good. Now, we're not going to whoop anybody here, lest you misunderstand me. But you need somebody who's watching you. Mentoring, discipling can only happen when you're around certain people. Now, that, that should happen outside the church, but it surely happens when you come to church. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you are blessed by somebody nearby that is such a genuine worshiper of the Lord, and one of your thrills is just watching them every Sunday as they genuinely worship the Lord? And they're mentoring you. They're modeling for you. There are the, 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 the anointing. I felt the anointing through the TV screen. But it's not the same. You can't come to the altar in your living room. Well, I can pray. Yes, you can. But I can't anoint you with oil and lay hands on you. I can't let you tell me your problem and agree with you in prayer. For if any two or three agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. But when you're down here and you're telling a prayer partner, you're telling an elder, I, I'm going through this trial. I'm, I need, I'm spending a lot of time, a lot more time in this than what I meant to. But I just felt in my spirit, God was speaking to me, these aren't in my notes, to tell the church, you got to be in the building. Thy way, O Lord, is in the living room. It can be. Don't get me wrong. It can be. But the Bible doesn't say that. 
Thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. And that's why the writer of Hebrews, and it's in the Bible. It's not a, it's not a Pastor Chris Harp. It's in the Bible. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Don't forsake. Don't take the easy way out. Here's the second one. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, watch, stand fast in the faith, be firm, be strong. That's how we're supposed to be in this world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Shine the light. But you know what? I'm seeing it. And we're all feeling it. In this present woke environment that we're living in, with a heightened aggression towards Christians and Christianity and the church, Let's just all admit, it's easier for some people to just stay quiet and be undercover for the Lord. It's just easier. Just don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. Don't take a stand. They're all talking at work about just don't say anything. They ask you what you think. Just change the subject. Now, you can do that. But when I was a kid, we used to sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It's the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Shining light all over the world. I'm going to let it shine. And then there was the one that we all liked. Hide it under a bushel. No. And all the kids go, no. Leah, let's do that with the boys and see how that goes. Next time they're at the house. We got Brooks singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star on a video. You don't hide it. We've got, we've got to get a backbone. We've got to get to the point where we realize who we are and what we're all about. God didn't save you just to take your sins away and so you could get a free ticket to heaven. He saved you so that he could use you to reach somebody else just like somebody he used reached you. And we need to shine the light. And we need to be a voice of righteousness and reason in these days when people have lost their minds. They've lost their minds. Don't be afraid to stand up and say, when they say, a man can be a woman. Say, no, they can't. No, they can't. A woman can be a man. No, she can't. And I know I'm being controversial. Pastor, aren't you afraid? No. That's the problem. My God, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me right then. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. I can love those people in a sound mind. I don't have to be mean. I love, I love people. I love people. I love sinners. I'm not going to put up with your stupidity. When common sense says no. And the Bible says no. I don't care what the Bible says, but I do. And God does. And you should. Because that's his word. Oh, Lord. I think they, wanted to, they didn't want to do the hard thing. I think the second reason why they did it is because they wanted to be like the people of the world. 
the pagan groups surrounding Israel offered their sacrifices to the false gods, guess where? The high places. Matter of fact, when Israel came into the promised land, guess what was already sitting on the high places all over Israel? Altars. Oh, why do I got to make a trip when they already built an altar for me? Easy thing, see? Problem is that altar was for sacrifices offered to demons, not to God. They believed the closer they were to heaven, the greater the chance their prayers and sacrifices would reach their gods. That's a false theology. God didn't want Israel to be influenced by the heathen nations. He wanted Israel to be the influencer of the heathen nations. And so he forbid them to do what they had done. Little teaching. Y'all still with me? Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 2 through 5. God said, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, and you shall destroy their altars and break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you shall seek out the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. See, it parallels Leviticus 17. And I look at that, and I'm deeply troubled that many Christians today are more concerned about what the world thinks than what God thinks. And so I just want to warn the high praises church today, watch out if you find yourself striving for the world's approval at the sacrifice of God. I'm going to remind you that you are in this world, but you are not of this world. I want to remind you that you march to a different drumbeat. I need to remind you that you get your orders from another person. You don't get your orders from society or culture or the media or TikTok or Instagram or any of those other sources or people that are on those places. You get your orders from God. You are to make an impression of Christ in society. You are to live counterculturally when culture wants you to say and do things that are against the word and the will of God. Makes me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were forced to live in Babylon, a pagan city full of pagan gods. They didn't want to be there, but they were taken captives. So they got there, and they had to acclimate. So I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the story in Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wore Babylonian clothes, ate Babylonian food, drove Babylonian cars, camels, Went to Babylonian schools, worked Babylonian jobs, learned the Babylonian language. Are you with me? They had to integrate into the culture. But when it came to their faith, when it came to righteousness and right and wrong, they remained steadfast heroes. And that steadfastness, shining the light as aliens in a foreign land, cost them. It cost them the wrath of the most powerful man at that time on the earth, King Nebuchadnezzar. It cost them being talked about at the water cooler at work. 
It created a scandal. It, it cost them possibly their lives. They were, their lives were threatened, literally, thrown into a fiery furnace. You don't bow. King Nebuchadnezzar made this idol, 90 feet tall, made out of pure gold. And he said, I'm going to play music. The band's going to kick in. When the band plays, everybody's got to bow to my 90-foot idol. Worship it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing out there. The music starts playing. All these people from all these different cultures bow down to the idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just stood there. Some little snitch went and told the king. King liked those three boys. He said, tell you what, I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to do this again. Now you bow, and I'm going to be gracious and forgive you. But if you don't, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And I love what these three young men, possibly older teenagers, did. Call it courage, call it cockiness. I call it righteousness. They looked at the king, and they said, oh, king, we don't have to go get in a corner and huddle up and talk about this. We know exactly what we do. We're not going to bow to your idol. The God that we serve is able to deliver us out of your hand. And he will deliver us out of your hand. I love this. But if not, if you throw us in there and God decides not to deliver us and we're three crispy critters, we're still not going to bow to you. Because we serve the one God, the only God, the true God, and the living God. And I'm sorry, he's more powerful than you. And if you don't know the story, because we in church have assumed everybody knows the story. We're in a biblically illiterate society. And for some of you, I don't tell the end of the story, you're going to go, what happened? It's like watching a Netflix series and they do one season and then they cancel it. Don't you hate that you committed to all those episodes and then there's no reconciliation? So I'm going to reconcile the story. King got mad, said, fire the thing up seven times hotter than normal. They bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up, threw them into the fiery furnace. It was so hot that the three guards that threw them in fell over dead. Should have killed those boys instantly. King went off in a rage. Furnace cooled down, got curious, walked back over and looked in the furnace and started yelling for servants, and they came left and right. He said, what's going on in there? Well, he said, what are you talking about? He said, did we not throw in three men bound into that fire? They said, yes. He said, then how come they're loose and they're walking around and there's a fourth man and they're walking with him that looks like the son of God? What, what is going on in the fire? We may be in the fire in the crucible of this world, but we need to stand because the fourth man will stand with us if we'll just stand for Jesus in the United States of America. Shine the light. Be the salt. Don't you be afraid. And take the heat if you have to. You know what some of y'all need? Some of y'all need a good dose of persecution. You do. If you've never been persecuted for your faith, you're lacking. Paul said, I bear in my body the, the, the wounds of Jesus Christ. Because once they attack you and beat you and talk about you and persecute you, you know what happens? You take your licks and then after that, they can say whatever they want. It doesn't matter anymore. Initially, you're terrified by it. But if you let them talk about you and take the heat, you get fired from a job, somebody breaks up with you because you're saved, whatever happens, if you pay a price, all of a sudden, living for Jesus means more than it ever did before. Great God, I'm preaching this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, I'm bragging on myself, but I'm just telling you, I feel, if I was out there, I'd say, hallelujah, come on, preacher. 
Praise God. Come on, musicians. I'm closing. Now, look, that's hard. That's strong. That's challenging. Some of y'all getting excited. Some of y'all probably going, uh, you're too close to home with me, Pastor. I'm, that's the point. When I die, if I'm done here, whatever happens, Jesus tarries. Maybe somebody will remember me and say, you know, he, he would preach hard sometimes, but he always told us this kind of preaching will get you to heaven. That's all I want you to do. I want you to make it. I want you to make it. Maybe you put it on my tombstone. His kind of preaching will get you to heaven. And I love you. I'm not mean. I don't ever want to be mean. I don't want to grow old in grouchiness. I want to grow old in grace. You ever met anybody who old, grew, grew old in grouchiness? Yeah, they could be on Grumpy Old Men movie. So let's flip this thing. I don't want to be negative. Let's be positive. What do we learn from this? Solomon made an exception, right? We know that. And I've got more to preach. I don't have time. Can, can I do this like three seconds? The root, the word, the word for, for accept in the Hebrew, it means only, only that, all those things. But the root word means thinness, leanness. You ever read the story of Joseph when Pharaoh had the dream of the seven fat cows came up and then seven lean, ugly cows came up and ate the seven fat cows and that represented seven years of plenty then seven years of famine that was going to eat all the plenty? The word used for gaunt or lean for the cows is the word we're talking about here. Thin. And God spoke to me and said, the exceptions that we make in our life are the thin places. The weakest link, the place where you will compromise, where you are making allowance. I'm not talking about sins where you sin and then you go back and ask God to forgive you. We all deal with that every day. We have to fight. We have this treasure in a job. I'm talking about where it becomes a lifestyle, it becomes habitual sin. It becomes that one little compartment area where you make an allowance. And you want to live for Jesus and all the other things, but you want God to give you permission to live this life. An exception. It's the thin place. I don't have time to tell these stories. Let's don't make exceptions for sin. Instead, brothers and sisters, I'm talking to me too. By the grace of God, let's strive to be faithful to Jesus Christ in every area of our lives. You may have to fight. You may have to battle. You're going to lose some battles. You may have to fall on your face and ask God for grace and mercy and forgiveness, but I'm telling you, He will give you the victory. Do the hard things. If I could just preach to you today after all these other things that I said, do the hard things. Do what's inconvenient if God tells you to do it. Even if it feels like an inconvenience, do what God says to do and let God and His Word be your guide. March to His drumbeat. Live in the joy of being obedient to His command. There's nothing like obeying the Lord. So I'm closing with this. I wish I had some cool story to tell. I don't. This is it. We're going to pray. I'm reading through the Bible. I read the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I'm in 1 Kings, which led me to this. I'm just, a lot of my sermons just come out of my personal devotional reading. 
and then I'm, I'm in Ephesians. I love Ephesians. It's the emerald of the, I call it the emerald of the Bible. And I was reading Ephesians, and I started chapter 1. I've preached a series on Ephesians here. I've read Ephesians so many times. I've underlined it in my Bible so many times. And I'm starting to read Ephesians. I've, I've done this message. I've been working on this message. And I read chapter 1, and, and verse 1. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This is a salutation. This is opening line. To the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. And the Lord said, stop. And I looked at that thing and I thought, good Lord, there, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm preaching. I don't know that I've ever, besides the series, I don't know that I spent a whole lot of time in this verse. But today, it applies. To the saints who are in Ephesus. To the faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me just say this. If you're saved, you're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner anymore. Don't use that phrase. You're not a sinner anymore. Praise God. Everybody say praise God. Aren't you glad you're not a sinner anymore? Your position changed. You are a saint. A holy one. St. Keith. St. Harold. St. Paul. Oh, there we go. Man. St. Paul and St. Jenny. You're a saint. You're a holy one. A saint is who God chooses you to be. But he also wants you to be faithful in every area. He doesn't just want saints. He wants faithful saints. And that's who you choose to be for God. You see it? I'm a saint because God chose me to be that. But if I'm faithful today, it's because I choose to do that for Him. Can I do it, Pastor? Yes, you can by the power of the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of you. You don't have to do it on your own. I can't do this. Well, you're not going to do it. You're going to have some help. The third person of the Godhead lives inside of you. And if we have God, if God be for us, who can be against us? We can do it. Stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.